These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one support to help you meet your goals. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So in last week's episode, I talked about parenting shame, and I started with some foundational information. But this week, I'm going to continue the conversation by talking about shame as it relates to our kids. And I'm going to answer a question that came in from a mom wondering how to handle this situation with her very young daughter who is exhibiting some jealousy. And this ties in perfectly with this subject of helping our children through shame. You'll see exactly what I mean when we go through that question. As I discussed, there's some steps for mitigating shame as adults. And this is very likely very relevant work for almost every adult out there. And after last week's episode, I hope you've been able to see it more for what it is and start to check yourself on it. But what can we do for our kids so that they start their life with the skills to be shame resilient from the beginning rather than trying to overcome it later in adulthood? How amazing would that be to give our kids this gift? So today I want to talk about this. 
Now, if you haven't heard last week's episode, I think it's a really good precursor to this one, to understanding shame and shame triggers in general. But even so, so you can go ahead and listen to this episode and go back to listen to that one if you want more of the background information later. I will cover the pertinent information in this episode as well. But you can be doing your own work around shame and still be a great teacher to your child. We don't have to be perfect or have mastery of something ourselves to still be a great teacher and guide to our children and mitigate future issues for them around anything, including shame. Now, I actually talk to my kids about this on occasion, so I'm going to share what that conversation looked and sounded like on my Instagram account at yourvillageonline.com, because when I was getting ready for this episode, I was like, it's time for us to have another conversation about shame. So I had that with my kids, and I'm going to do a live on that um, later this week after the episode drops, or maybe early next week. Um, about what that conversation looked and sounded like. So I'm doing a lot more content on that now that I've moved everything over from my personal account over to the podcast and business account at Your Village Online. So if you want to see that content, be connected to me over there, um, come on over and join us. So first, I want to repeat the definition of shame because that's a very rudimentary piece to having this conversation. As I shared last week, the definition of shame, according to Brene Brown, who is a researcher at the University of Houston who studies courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy, is it's an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Now, this affects the way we interact with the world. It makes us feel isolated, trapped, and vulnerable. And she lists out 12 categories of shame in three key areas of body image and health, relationships, and social status. Those are the three key areas. And then underneath those, there's 12 categories total split between those three categories. So I want to discuss kids' shame and how to help them become more resilient to it. And then I'm going to apply these concepts when I answer the question that came in so you can see an example of how we can apply these with our kids in a particular situation when we see it happening. And also I'm going to talk about what shame looks like in kids so you can recognize it. So first, what are some triggers for kids' shame? Because I talked about triggers for adults last week. Well, likely whatever we as adults feel shame about Now, this isn't meant as an, oh crap, I'm passing my shame onto my kids. Not at all. What I mean is that because shame triggers are are cultural, societal, and even universal between, especially like I talked about last week, men's shame versus women's shame, what's more common to each group, they can pick up on it. So And not necessarily the male or the female side, but that too. But just what is our family shame? What is our shame about? Our kids will often pick up on it, no matter how good a parent we are at trying to protect our child from that, from things that we feel shameful about. We just talk to our spouse. We say things. Things come out. We're talking on the phone. They happen to hear it. We thought they were outside with their friend. Whatever it is, it just comes in. It comes in, you know, around other kids. They hear kids talking. They just pick it up, no matter how amazing we are at trying to to, um, keep it separate from them. For kids, body image, and this is for boys and girls. You know, it used to be that girls, or we thought girls were the only ones that experienced body shaming or, you know, shame around their body. But boys experience too. It's just sometimes for very different reasons or different levels. But boys are feeling just as much pressure these days, I think, to look a certain way or be a certain body type as girls are. Social status is a big one for kids. Kids whose families have money 
and those who don't, boy, when you don't have it, it can be a serious source of shame. Now, I remember being in middle school and my parents took me to Sears to buy clothes. I don't know, Sears even open anymore. (laughs) So I bought this pair of jeans, what I thought was a cute pair of designer jeans, because, you know, back in the 1980s, Nikes, especially with lavender, the white with the lavender swoosh or the lavender with the white swoosh, all the rage and the purple comb in the back pocket. But you had to have Jordache. And there was actually, I think, two other brands that were like acceptable and they were expensive. So they were acceptable designer jeans. Anything other than those top brands, well, they were not acceptable. And mine were, well, from Sears. And boy, did the girls at the bus stop give me a hard time about those. And I felt a lot of shame around it that my family didn't have the money to buy nicer clothes for me, that I had to shop at Sears. Like that's, you know, in middle school. Oh, So I worked really hard that summer babysitting. I saved up all my money and I bought myself the right sneakers and two pairs of Jordache jeans so that I would hopefully never be made fun of again. So another area some kids, especially smaller kids, can feel shame around is their behavior. Now, bigger kids can have this too, but you'll really start to see it um, in toddlers. Now, this won't be every kid, and I will talk about what to look for, because some kids are just like, you know, they have a lot of self-confidence just naturally, and they, you don't, they don't seem to have a lot of shame around this, but some kids, like, ooh, every, they take everything personally if they're less than perfect. So some kids are really shame-resilient around their behavior, but kids are learning early what behavior is acceptable and what is not. They're often hearing all these messages, be kind, use gentle hands, share, use your words. And this is all good. There's nothing wrong with this at all. But when they do lose control, especially as they get a little older, they're three and four, and they've been trying to practice this and beyond, and they mess up, they get upset, they hit, they grab, they can start to experience shame when they don't live up to the ideals. So the feelings of shame can then increase the reactions too. And this is where positive discipline and peaceful parenting really come into play because positive parenting as well as peaceful parenting classes I have, the message is that all feelings are valid. So regardless of how we're reacting to a situation, the message our kids should be getting is that their feelings are absolutely valid. So we remove shame around having any particular feelings, even the ones that feel icky or negative, even feelings of shame. We welcome them because they serve a purpose. So we teach our kids how to recognize them, all of the emotions, so that they can work through them. It's a process. Then the other part of the message is that while all emotions are valid, all reactions are not. But at the same time, the message around that is, I still love you and accept you at your worst. So your emotions are valid. The reactions need some work. I still love you and I accept you and I'm here to help you move through this and find a better way. So when we have this attitude and understanding as a parent, when we know how to handle the situations in that way, it helps us stay in a place of leadership and guidance. We come at these situations as, let me show you how. Let me show you how to calm down, to connect with your feelings and label them, to find a new way to express them. We're coming in from this place of leadership, like, I've got this. I'm going to help you figure this out and work through it. Now, I want to take a quick minute here to also mention, like I I actually kind of alluded to already, but you can be the most gentle, intentional parent in the world. And you may and likely will say things during your child's childhood that will evoke some feelings of shame. So 
I just don't think there's any way we can avoid that unless we avoid talking to our kids at all. Obviously, that's not the answer. So seriously, don't make this about trying to figure out how to always say everything perfectly all the time. That's way too much pressure. It's an impossible standard to live up to and talk about shame. Like we're not going to live up to that. So don't worry about, don't try to figure out what you might've said in the past or at some point, we're going to let it all go. We're going to do our best every day to be positive examples, supportive and uplifting. We're going to give ourselves a break when we're not perfect. And here's the thing. Shame is such a hidden emotion that we all try to run from it. So unless we learn how to face it down, that it can, then it can often go undetected. So we're really kind of playing detectives here with our kids. The other thing is, if we're teaching our children these things I'm about to cover, if you bring this into your parenting and into your children's awareness so they can face down their own shame, you are giving them the very best antidote from becoming influenced by their shame. They're going to have shame. We're going to say things. We're going to mess up. We're not going to be perfect, but we're also going to teach them how to face it. We're also going to teach them how to come talk to us about it. Because if they know that shame is normal and jealousy is normal and anger is normal and rivalry is normal and not loving their siblings all the time is normal, then that opens that up. It makes it a place where it's okay to talk about. So we make it okay to talk about so they can come to us and say, I felt bad when you said this to me yesterday or you said this to me. And then, okay, thanks for telling me. Then we can do better. We're helping them learn to teach us how to do better. So some other areas where kids can feel shame around their body is how it relates to their sexuality. So if there's a response of disgust around a toddler or a child of any age exploring their genitals, they learn quickly to feel shame around that. Puberty is another time shame around their bodies and sexuality can become very prevalent. If you develop early or if you develop late, whether anyone says anything or not, kids are really uncomfortable about this. The girl that's super tall and already has breasts in like fourth grade, really uncomfortable for her. The boy who's a freshman in high school and he's still really skinny and he's short and he's, you know, hasn't developed anything yet. It's really uncomfortable to be that kid. The changes in the body, if they get any message, any negative messages about it, negative messages can also come in around avoiding talking about puberty. So when we don't talk about puberty, when we don't, you know, bring these things up to our kids, it gives the idea that it's a shameful topic that we don't talk about, we don't discuss. So I know it can be uncomfortable, but by making it a topic that is welcome, it relieves a lot of shame around what's happening in their bodies. And there's a lot of great books too, but I really like Dr. Laura Berman's book, How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex. She goes into great detail. So if you don't remember your anatomy and physiology of the sexual organs and the sexual system, you can re-educate yourself so that you have the answers and you're armed with accurate information first. I loved being able to go in and read about that. I'm pretty familiar with the female anatomy, but I had to re-educate myself on the male anatomy and how that all works and what comes first in puberty with boys and what the signs are that they're going to see so that I could sit down and talk to my, my boys about it and my girl. And we talked to both genders about both. Um, So we just want to teach everybody about all the changes for everyone so they can understand. So our first step is we're understanding shame triggers and what triggers our kids may have. Then we can talk to them about it, start teaching them about it, how to recognize it. Just like we do as adults when we want to face down our own shame and take away its power. 
So if you've been listening to me for a while, you know I love me some good books for kids about topics, these hard topics. So reading with kids about shame. So a couple, well, three. A kid's book about shame, Shame Mud, and The Awfulizer, Learning to Overcome the Shame Game, just to get you started. So next, I'm going to give you some conversation starters to talk to kids about shame, what shame often looks like in kids, and how to help them overcome those voices in their head, along with the question, implementing these ideas so that you can see what it looks like in action when your child might be exhibiting some feelings of shame and how to help them through that. As an adult and a mom of a son, both with ADHD, I know navigating the expectations of life with ADHD can be a challenge, but finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed can be life-changing. With the right resources, you can turn your ADHD into your superpower. Done is an online ADHD care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD, online visits, refills, and a 24-7 care team made for you. Starting to take care of your ADHD is as easy as one, taking a one-minute free assessment to see if Dunn can help, two, booking an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as today or tomorrow, three, start receiving ongoing care, enjoy online visits, personalized treatment plan, worry-free refills, and 24-7 care. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Unlock your path to better focus now at get.donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn your ADHD into your strength. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. BiHeart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back, talking to kids about shame can feel awkward, so here are some ideas. Ask your kids if they know what shame is, and then elaborate on that if you need to. Talk about times you've felt shame, and then what that was about for you, where that came from. Ask them if they have ever experienced shame, and what do they think it was about. Talk about ways other people might experience shame, even if they don't, meaning even if it's ways that your children don't or that you don't, such as financial status. 
And you can have these conversations very early. Very young kids around two, two and a half will begin to experience shame. Now, obviously, you may not want to talk to them about the way other people might experience shame because they're not really understanding the experience of the other yet. That's more of an experience you'll have with kids elementary age and older. But you get the idea. You can start asking them about shame at that age, talk to them about what it means, and then obviously the reading of the books. So, and then... This is why the potty training class covers the steps to gently prepare kids for the potty training process without pressure. So it's the potty without pressure method that's recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics because very well-meaning parents can often pressure for potty training because we want to be done with the diapers. But potty training is an area where shaming can arise unknowingly. So understanding your child's development knowing what's age appropriate, knowing what the potty training process looks like, having a solid understanding and plan for these developmental advances like potty training are certainly important because it can be the beginning of body shame where kids might feel body shame. My body doesn't work the way it's supposed to. When a lot of times it's really just emotionally they aren't ready to potty train yet, even if their body is able to tell them they have to go, a lot of times it's the emotional side where they're just not quite ready yet. So we want to make sure they're fully ready. So now when we're talking about shame in general, when we talk to our kids about shame, we can help them learn how to counteract those voices in their head and then use yourself as an example. Once you've shared something that you felt shame about, tell your kids how you counteract that in your head, how you come up against that and explain to yourself that you're not going to listen to those voices today. And then you can help them with theirs. So if they've shared something that they felt shame about, you help them come up with a new script when they get those thoughts, what can they say to themselves to counteract those voices that are just untrue about their sense of worthiness about something that really doesn't matter so much or that's really something outside of themselves? So we also want to help our kids understand, especially as they get older, what shame looks like in other people. So Brene Brown, who I got the definition from, shares in her book, Daring Greatly, how studies have shown kids who engage in bullying or this mean girl phenomenon, the picking, the teasing, are suffering from feelings of deep inadequacy and shame. Now, that's not to dismiss other people's behavior or brush it off or make it okay. But sometimes if we can understand it, it helps us approach the situation with more compassion. So explaining to our kids, if there's someone in the classroom that's mean or that is bullying or that's saying mean things about kids, about them or anyone else, that chances are that they are dealing with some deep sense of shame that they're trying to cover up. So lastly, what does shame look like in kids besides this acting out in, in the teasing and the mean girl or the mean kids or the bullying type of ways? What does it look like when we see it in our kids? So remember when I said shame is an emotion where many people want to run and hide? Well, that's often what kids will do to avoid it. They will run away and hide or they'll say, I don't want to talk about it. I've had a lot of parents come to me with questions and they say that their children say, I don't want to talk about something. Or they just, when they try to talk about something, they're like, my kid won't talk about emotions. My kid won't, I can't talk about emotions with my child. They don't want to talk about it. They just want to go away and hide. That's shame. So we want to address the shame. So let's put these together through the example of the question. So Nicole wrote in and said, hi, I love your podcast, and I have a parenting question for you. My daughter is almost two and a half and was the first grandchild for my parents. So she now has a 10-month-old cousin. 
My parents watch both girls Monday through Friday because all of us parents work full time. At first, she was wonderful with our cousin and always wanted to help, hold her, and play with her. Over the past couple months, she has started to take everything from her cousin, hit her, and scream, my grandma, my books, my everything. She says sorry afterwards, but it keeps happening. I'm obviously not there to talk to her about it, and when I do try to talk to her about it at home, she gets really upset and stomps off for a couple of minutes saying things like, no talking about it, I'm mad. Baby sister is arriving in two months, so I'm basically worried we will be dealing with the same thing, or worse, at home, and trying to figure out how grandma and grandpa can stop these behaviors when she is at their house. Thanks for any advice you have. So great question, because because seeing behind the nuances of behavior, even in adults, is difficult. But kids especially often don't have the words to express such deep and painful emotions as shame. And adults don't like to talk about shame, so kids certainly don't like to talk about it, and they don't really understand what it is, especially at two and a half. So this is just one of those things that's really a tough thing to talk about for almost anyone. So I sense that this very young two-and-a-half-year-old girl is very likely feeling shame for her behavior and her feelings. So for whatever reason, like I said, these messages are sneaky, and we just can't keep our kids from being exposed to them or do enough to balance it perfectly so they never feel shame. They're going to have shame. They're going to feel it. So I sense that she's struggling with who she thinks she's supposed to be, or how she's supposed to behave versus who she is and how she is behaving. So she likely got it in her mind that she's not supposed to feel these things like jealousy and rivalry and anger and things towards her um, and have these big feelings or these big reactions that she's having. She's under the impression that that's not okay. And yet they're there and they're big and they're painful and they're upsetting, but she can't talk about it. So from a developmental perspective, just so you can understand, the switch in behavior towards her cousin, so I'm going to cover this first, then we're going to get more into the shame and how to talk to her about that. So at first, it was probably fun, and she probably even got a lot of attention for being such a great helper and being the big kid, and she could do so much more stuff than the baby could do. But the newness wore off, and the cousin is now developing skills rapidly too, so she can see her cousin is not so much of a baby anymore but turning into a toddler who also plays with toys, interacts with grandma, and is also probably standing at this point, potentially, or is getting close to it, just moving around, that creates competition. That creates feelings of rivalry and jealousy, which are, of course, all very normal emotions. So I would start having conversations around jealousy and around shame. So she's really little. So reading a couple of those books that I mentioned... But something like having a discussion, I know you're dealing with some big feelings about sharing your grandma with your cousin. I know they can feel scary, but these are very normal feelings called jealousy. Have a conversation about that, about what jealousy is, and that it's normal. And hopefully she'll feel more comfortable knowing this, that it's normal that you accept her for having these feelings. You know, when we're told that we're really only supposed to have positive feelings for our family, that we love our family, when we start to have feelings that don't feel so positive then we feel like there's something wrong with us, and then that can elicit feelings of shame. Connecting with her on a level that normalizes her feelings, makes her feel seen and heard and still loved, makes a space for her to share if she wants to. So that opens that up from her feeling like, I don't want to talk about it. It's like, oh, okay. I'm accepted for who I am. I'm going to think about this a little bit. And it may open her up to sharing it and feeling like she's safe to share. 
So on top of the jealousy is where the shame comes in. I'm not supposed to feel this dislike from my cousin. I'm supposed to love her. She's family. I must be bad. My feelings must be wrong. Boom, shame storm, right? Kids have no idea where these feelings come from or why. So there must be something wrong with them. That's what they think. But they don't know how to change the feelings. They're, they're natural. They're normal. And it's too shameful to talk about because these are negative feelings towards someone they're supposed to love. So when we parents bring light in for them to shine onto these feelings and what they are and where they're coming from and that it's normal, what a relief. Talk about the jealousy, where it comes from, and reassuring her that her grandma's love for her only gets bigger every day and that nothing is going to change that. Now, for grandma and grandpa in the moment, to be able to help your daughter process it and feel better about it and therefore better about her behavior, her behavior will improve. If they can say something like, I can see you're dealing with some big feelings about jealousy right now, and even just labeling what's happening and then moving into the feeling, so labeling what's happening. It looks like you're really struggling to let your cousin have the ball right now. That tells me you have some big feeling underneath that you don't know what to do with. You know all feelings are okay. It's good to talk about them when we don't know what to do with them. And then if grandma wants to label the jealousy, these are all just some ideas of how to approach it depending on how you think your daughter will take it. Um, and what might be the best approach for her, labeling what's happening first and then talking about jealousy or just talking right about the jealousy right off the bat and saying it's okay. But you can find um, some great kids' books on jealousy too, which also could be very helpful. Because just like I mentioned in the episode about adults, working through our shame, for kids, the same thing, their beliefs about who they're supposed to be and how they aren't living up to that standard holds just as true. Those are where feelings of shame can arise. So these beliefs are eroding the sense of self. Well, there's something wrong with me. I'm bad because I have these bad feelings. And it erodes away the sense of self. Not completely, but it obviously can cause some, some real feelings of discomfort. And it starts early. Now, the good news is that we're noticing these types of behaviors. We're recognizing what's going on underneath. So you bring light to it. will make a world of difference for your kids in helping them be able to take their, shame, take their shame head on and say, I'm not playing this game today. So we're going to teach them how to do that. We're going to teach them how to look at their shame and realize that they shouldn't be feeling bad about the feelings that they have. And we're going to teach them how to step up against that and be like, I'm not playing this game today. I'm a good person. I'm just feeling some feelings of jealousy and these are normal. And um, I'm going to take some time out to think about that. And then talking to, being able to talk about that to grandma, to mom, about those feelings of jealousy, that it's okay to say, I'm feeling jealous right now. Giving them a script for that. You know what? I'm feeling like, I'm feeling left out, or I'm feeling like the baby's getting a lot of attention. I'm feeling jealous. I would like some time. And then taking that time, especially with the older child, to connect will really help dissipate a lot of those feelings. Now, for Nicole or anyone else with a baby on the way or wanting to raise your kids to have connected relationships, I highly recommend the class Siblings Without Rivalry. It not only covers the steps to bringing home a new baby that greatly reduce as much sibling rivalry from the beginning as possible. Now, it will still happen, so you need to be aware of it. You need to know what it looks like. You need to be accepting of it to talk about it. But it will really help reduce that sibling rivalry. But there's also a lot of tips and ideas and strategies as kids age 
age, all through their ages, for raising siblings to have connected relationships through childhood. This is something really important to me. I've raised my kids to be as good of friends as they can. They're, they're different people, and they don't have to be best friends, and that's okay, but I want them to be connected. I want them to have a connection and a strong relationship, and I tell them, listen, like, these are the people that understand what it's like to grow up in your home and no one else you ever meet throughout life will know that or understand that. And so these are really important relationships to put some effort into and be on your, you know, and to really help connect. Also the discipline classes, the self-esteem classes, the peaceful parenting classes, these are all big pieces to mitigating the shame cycle for our kids, also for ourselves, so that we can parent in um, parent from this place of being a really strong and confident leader so that we have a, a go-to when we're struggling with something or our kids are struggling with something, we have an answer to go to, can really mitigate that shame cycle for both of us. Um, because, you know, I really want my kids to grow up and have a lot less struggle with all of these things than I did, whether it's shame and self-esteem and self-confidence and knowing who they are and knowing what they want from life and understanding how to problem solve and move through all of this. And so um, all of these classes will really help with that. And those are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you have any comments, please send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. And if you're on Instagram and you'd like to follow, you can follow me at yourvillageonline. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.